You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Hello and welcome back to the Alter Echo Sermon Podcast. This is July 1st on the day I'm recording this. I'm sitting with the sun shining in the windows of my office here at St. John's. And I want to wish you all a very happy holiday weekend and a safe holiday weekend. Whatever your July 4th tradition is um, and whatever your plans might happen to be this year, um, if you join us, are able to join us for worship on Sunday the 3rd, wonderful. And if you are not able to join us in person, then I hope this podcast is finding you wherever you are listening from and that there's something in this time that is celebratory and restful um, and also gives you a chance to, to have a different kind of pace, even for just a day or two. Today, our scripture, our focus reading is actually a gospel text. So if you've got your Bible, you can open that up and read with me. We'll begin in the book of Mark. Chapter 12, starting with verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard the disciples disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus had answered them well, the scribe asked Jesus, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is One, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to Jesus, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that God is one and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask Jesus any question. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So this is a well-known passage of scripture to us, these two greatest commandments that Jesus rightly offers us. Which commandment is the greatest? To love God with everything we've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. Two weeks ago, we dove into the first part of these two commandments, to love God, last week, into loving neighbor, and today we conclude this sort of like three-week little mini-series as we think about the very last part of these two commandments, to love yourself. So I guess that's where we start today. Is it easier for you to love somebody else or to love yourself? Is it easier, more natural, more experienced, more convenient for you to love your spouse or your parent or a child or a friend and to focus your love and energy outward at that person? Or are you comfortable 
loving yourself. Now, I want to distinguish this a little bit here. As we think today about loving yourself, this is more than standing up for yourself, more than going after what you want in life, more than um, what has sometimes been called the um, arrogant work of naming your strengths in a job interview. But loving yourself is something much bigger, and I would offer probably much harder and more complicated than any of those things on their own. I have been a student of Brene Brown, who is a shame and vulnerability researcher um, uh, down in Texas. Um, She has a background in social work from her undergraduate through PhD level work. And she has been researching shame and vulnerability for, I think, about 16, 17 years at this point. Her initial TED Talk um, back in 2010 went, went viral before things were viral and now has 58 million views. She talks about shame and vulnerability, but for the purpose of our conversation today, she talks a lot about shame's wounding messages that we all somehow receive at some point in our lives, but for most of us during childhood or adolescence. And these wounding messages sound like this. Who you are is not good, or who you are is not enough, not rich enough, not thin enough, you are not smart enough, not beautiful enough, who you are is not talented enough, or powerful enough. Whatever version of these wounding messages that kind of stands out for you, all of them have this culminating theme, spoken or unspoken, that because you are not enough, you are not worthy of love. Now, people of all genders experience shame, but women and men sort of organize it differently. Dr. Brene Brown says. In her research of thousands and thousands of stories from thousands of different people, she has observed that women, for for women, the message of shame sounds like this. Do it all and never let them see you sweat. Whereas for men, the message of shame sounds like this. Do not be perceived as weak. Now, if by this point (laughs) you're thinking, well, shame sounds terrible. I don't want any of that. (laughs) Research also tells us that the only people who don't have even a little bit of shame are sociopaths. So if those are my only two options, I'm going to choose shame and would encourage you to do that as well. (laughs) Because being a sociopath is not a great lived experience either. Much worse, in fact. But all of that is to say... These wounding messages of shame that we all encounter, that we all are burdened by, even from a very young time in our lives, is ultimately that you are the bad thing. Not your actions, not your choices, not you did something bad or you did something wrong. That would be guilt. Shame is the wounding message that you are not good enough and you 
who you are, the core of your being and identity is bad. In Brian McLaren's chapter for this week, he talks about this as well. He says, after all, nobody is more likely to ruin your life than you. You and I are, for many of us, probably easily our own worst critic. You don't need to tell me that I'm a sinner. I am reminded of my own mistakes on a daily basis, right? When I think about, as a person of faith, the things that keep me up at night, it's not my glowing accomplishments of the day or what I'm really proud of or the ways that I feel like I challenged myself and grew as a person or even times that I did the right thing, even if no one noticed. Things that keep me up at night are the situations and the encounters that convince me that repeat this wounding message that I am not enough, that I have failed yet again, or that I have harmed or hurt someone, whether it's someone I know or someone I really don't. These are the things that keep me up at night. So frankly, I'm gonna say something controversial here. I don't come to church to hear that I'm a sinner. That's not why I come to church. I'm fully convinced that I'm a sinner and I need no help convincing myself more fully of that. My actions do a great, my actions and my guilt do a great job repeating that message for me over and over again every single day. So that's not why I come to church as a person of faith. I come to church to confess my sins so that I can hear something completely different something completely unlike the wounding message of shame. It's those words of forgiveness that are so much more important and so frankly unique from anything else that we hear in our lives. So I come to church for the glimmer of hope that God loves me with the kind of unconditional love that I hear about in Romans chapter 8 which says, hold on, I didn't come with my Bible open. <clears throat> Let me find it really quick. And if you're in your Bible, you can just fast forward with me as I'm hearing this to Romans chapter 8. In verse 38. Oh, no, no, Yeah, verse 38, Romans 8, 38, sorry. I come to, to church to hear the glimmer of hope that God loves me with the kind of unconditional love we hear about in Romans 8, 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation... Let me say that again, anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what I hear, and that's what I come to hear in church. And I pray 
that by hearing this kind about this kind of God's love over and over and over again, that there is nothing that could separate me from God's love, and more specifically, nothing that I could ever do to separate me from God's love, that by hearing this message time and time again, it just might begin to convince me that I am not the bad thing, that you are not the bad thing, and that God loves me not because I have earned it, or because I have deserved it, but simply because I am worth loving, that I'm worth it. So child of God, sinner who is redeemed by the powerful love of Jesus Christ, this is what I want you to hear today. Even if you don't believe me, you are worth it. You are imperfect and hardwired for struggle, according to Dr. Brene Brown and her years of research. You are imperfect and hardwired for struggle, but you are still worthy of God's love. In God's sight, you are worthy of love and belonging. Do you love yourself yet? <laughs> Now, I want you to close your eyes. Find a comfortable spot where you're sitting. Rest easily in your chair. Close your eyes, unless you're driving, oh podcast listener. And hear these words. From Isaiah 43. Verses 1 through 4. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Do you believe those things about yourself? That you, in all the fullness of who you are, at the depth and core of your being, are precious, are honored, are worthy of love and belonging? In God's sight, we are. In God's sight, you are. Frankly, God's grace is absolutely absurd. And it is perhaps the most incomprehensible truth for us to believe about ourselves in our whole lives. Theologian Kimberly J. Ramsey says it this way. God names you 
Beloved, not for what you have done, but for who you are and who you will become. This is the premise we hear in the gift in the waters of baptism. Not that we are a sinner that has the promise of an escape from eternal damnation and hellfire because God is willing to swoop us out of that. The promise and the gift that we have in baptism is the way that God sees us. Precious, beloved, child of God. That it all begins and ends in love. Brian McLaren says this, God wants you to love you the way that God loves you. So take just a moment and imagine the people in your life, it might only be one or two people who love you the most and the best and the truest. people who see you for who you truly are, who know your most vulnerable self, the things that you might call about yourself, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they love you in spite of it and because of it. Now imagine them standing with you as they see you and they love you. Here, in the presence of God, and in the presence of those cherished ones, hold yourself in that kind of love. And hear these truths about who you are. And perhaps try on loving yourself. You are loved. You are not a burden. The light of Christ that shines in you is a gift to this world. You are more than your sins. You are more than your trauma. You are more than your past. You are more than enough. You will make it through. You are not finished yet. In God's sight, you matter. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall love your neighbor. You shall love yourself. Jesus says today, there is no commandment greater than these. But perhaps Jesus does not give us the command to love ourselves as yet one more obligation or yet one more burden that we cannot fulfill, but instead a reminder to practice loving ourselves, so that we might <laughs> do this often enough that we begin to believe that we are worthy of love and belonging and be transformed by that truth for our lives.
Thanks be to God. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.